drawing. This is the Apostolic Study Bible. It's uh, about a $112 value. So if you read the Bible through in 2020, then you are eligible to put your name in. The only one that we would ask to not put their name in is Brother Mark because he won it the last time. And uh, so we, if you have, uh, how many in here do we have? Let's see a show of hands one more time. Amen. Amen. So there are some good opportunities here. This is a premium leather, and it has quite a few apostolic notes in it. It would be very beneficial to you. I want to encourage you to attend the Spanish conference coming up, and we're really excited about what God is doing. And I'd like to see all of our saints from Oak Park Pentecostals here and to support this outreach. You say you love souls. This is an outreach for souls. Amen. And uh, we are expecting God to do great things and to do wonderful things. How can we send money overseas to minister to those people who are not like us? And then we won't reach out to people here. Amen. We're so glad to have... Yvette with us this morning. She came up for prayer. Amen. I think this is Sister McKenzie's, one of her relatives. Is that correct, Sister McKenzie, or just a friend? No. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We're glad to have her this morning. And uh, good to feel the presence of the Lord in this service here today. God is doing wonderful things. Amen. God is doing wonderful things. Is he doing wonderful things? God is doing wonderful things. He is doing awesome things. Amen. He is an awesome, amazing, powerful, never failing God that we serve. God still works miracles. God is still, still a healer. Amen. God is still a deliverer. God is still on the throne. He is high and lifted up. He's an amazing God that we serve. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You need to remind yourself of how wonderful the God that we serve is. He is wonderful. What did the Apostle Paul said? Think on these things. You should think on the Lord Jesus Christ and on His power and on His mercy and on His goodness and on His righteousness and on His godliness and the things that He's done in your life. That's what you should be thinking on. Yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, and uh, I haven't preached in a while and someone said I don't preach very much. Well, uh, I do and I don't. I give a lot of opportunities. And turn to the book of Genesis and also to the book of Matthew. We'll read the book of Matthew passage first. Matthew chapter 1. I hope you're reading the Bible through this year. I hope your this 30 days of prayer will be something that turns into a habit for you. Psychologists tell us that a habit develops after doing something for 21 days. If you will pray for 30 days, I'm praying that God will develop a habit in you. And it's a good habit. It's a habit of prayer. You know, there are some good habits. Uh, coming to church is a habit. You stay home from church for any length of time, it's going to be difficult for you to get back into the habit of coming back to church. I promise you. If you stop reading the Bible, it's going to be difficult for you to get back into the habit of reading God's Word. If you stop praying, it's going to be difficult for you to get back into the habit of praying. There are some good habits, and I pray that you would receive this instruction in praying for 30 days that you will develop a habit of getting up every day. I recommend you do it first thing in the morning. Why wait till the, the day is at, at, at its end and all the pro problems and trials and stresses and difficulties of life have already occurred in your life but pray at the beginning so that when those trials stresses and troubles come to you you've already laid it at the feet of Jesus amen 
So I pray that you will develop a habit. It's good for new believers to find a place to pray every morning. It's good for new believers. Uh, I know that we put a lot of emphasis on reading the Bible and reading the bread program and be that as it may. But really what we're trying to do is establish something in you that you will get into the Word of God every day. I know this. I've been doing this a long time. I preached my first message in 1975. I know that it's easy to get away from doing the daily things. I said on Wednesday night, the most mundane word in the Bible is daily. It's just doing, just getting out of bed every morning and saying, this is a new day that the late Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad therein. Get down on your knees or sit in a chair. However you pray, position is not important just as long as you do pray. Get the word, open the word of God and allow the word of God to saturate your heart and mind. Amen. And start your day with prayer and reading of the word. Amen. Amen. The book of Matthew chapter 1. And we are going to read from verse 18 down through verse 21. This is the fourth Sunday in the month of January. Next Sunday we're going to have Brother Cowden. And so um, we've just celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. But uh, this is very exciting. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused or engaged to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Or privately. But while he was angry knowing the situation. But while he thought on these things. Remember he's a just man and he thinks that something untoward has gone on in his betrothed life. And he's trying to figure out how can I do this and do the right thing without embarrassing and bringing into her life and my life the whole village where we live. He's walking up and down, pacing to and fro in his house. He's very upset. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. He must have exhausted himself. He lay down and he was... Emotionally exhausted, he was physically exhausted, and he decided, I'm just going to lay down here and rest. Maybe if I rest my mind a little bit, clarity will come to me. Have you ever thought that? And he lay down, and while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she brought forth a son, and thou shalt call, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Turn with me to the book of Genesis just real quickly, and then I'll let you be seated. And Genesis chapter 26. That's Genesis, turn to Genesis 17, rather. And when Abram was 90 years old, verse 1 and 9, he was 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between thee, me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Didn't have a son at this time. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. 
Abram means high father. Abraham means father of many nations. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man, child among you, shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the skin of your foreskin. It shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that was is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man, child, in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man, whose child, whose skin of flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, thou shalt be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but shall call her. Her name shall her name be. Sarah shall her name be. I'm getting ahead of myself. And it shall bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. King of people shall be of her. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? And Abram said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. In verse 19, And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will multiply him fruitful and will multiply him, make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and I will make him a great nation. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I thought about this message as I was going to preach this morning, and uh, the word of the Lord comes to us in very specific ways and says that God speaks to people. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I have been thinking about how God would speak to his people today. I'm looking for the voice of the Lord to give that certain sound today, that, that anointing, that blessing, that power, that glory today. I'm, I'm looking for his, his spirit to, to uh, uh, give me new vision, to uh, raise me up, to sit me in heavenly places with him today. Because if I'm not careful, I can lose sight of the vision and the dream. I see here that Abram, whose name is changed to Abraham, God said to him, you are called Abram. That's the name that your father gave to you. But I'm going to give you a new name. I'm a name that supersedes the name that your earthly father gave. I'm going to give you a name that speaks of the promise and of the dream and of the potential that uh, you have within you, but that you don't even see yourself. Uh, we were driving yesterday going toward Indianapolis, and we passed uh, the right road up here, which is just a few miles west of the city, and, and Wilbur and Overall Wright lived over here. They were first Hoosiers before they moved to Ohio, and that's where they were born. And these great inventors, they were first men that uh, worked on bicycles and, 
And uh, I, they were bicycle mechanics and bicycle technicians. And uh, they bought and sold bicycles. That's kind of an amazing thing to hear that the Wright brothers were first bicycle mechanics. Uh, but that's what they were. They had a shop in this very city. And then they moved to Dayton, Ohio. And they had a shop there. But they, they were expanding their vision of the dream that they had. It, it was here a little, it was there a little. It was, it was little by little just as the word of God comes to your, li- your life. Uh, it's line upon line and precept upon precept and here a little and there a little. It, it's the dreams that you start out with. Uh, I don't think that Wilbur and Orville Wright uh, really imagined uh, the flying machine that they would create uh, that could carry hundreds of people on one plane the little old plane that they took down to uh, North Carolina and, and, and Kitty Hawk there and they, and they got it sailing the first time they ever sailed a plane. I think it went for 80 feet uh, approximately. You can correct me. It's been a long time since I read that story, but it wasn't very far. But I can tell you now that a plane can be launched. The dream that they had uh, has expanded. The plane now, planes now are launched that weigh tons and tons. Tires very large to carry that plane as it takes off and lands. Why? Because there was so much potential Potential in the dream they didn't realize the potential they didn't understand the potential they couldn't really see the potential just as we've read about this man named Abraham whose name was Abram high father and he thought well I'm leaving my, my family my country and I'm going to a place that God has told me to go and I really can't see the potential but God said everywhere you put your feet everywhere you walk everywhere the soles of your feet touch I'm going to give you that land I'm not sure that we can see the, our own potential and the abilities that God has given to us uh, and the dreams that God has placed upon us uh, and the anointing that he has filled our hearts with, uh, the Holy Ghost. Uh, I want you to know this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm not upset about the election. I really don't, I'm not concerned about the election. You won't find me posting stuff on face, my face, Facebook page about the election. Why? Because this world is not my home. Jesus Christ is in control. I'm on my way to heaven. And there is so much potential in the vision that God has given to me. You say, well, pastor, you, you don't believe in the outcome of the election. I want you to know. We live in a fallen world and they're, they're this and I'm not sure what to believe. I do know that I've, I've followed my civic duty as a citizen of this country whom I, which I love. I cast a vote and that's what I was supposed to do. But beyond that and getting so distressed and so disturbed I see people making statements and, and saying things. I said, oh, but we better pull it back and be careful and not let the dream die. The dream that God has given to us uh, that the Holy Ghost is for all the world. Uh, we see in the book of Acts. Uh, he said, now this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, my spirit I'll pour out. Uh, and I'm asking God to pour out his spirit. Uh, I don't want to get so sidetracked on the issues of this world uh, that I forget what the real issue is uh, and that we preach Jesus Christ uh, and him crucified. You see that Abram, he was now a hundred years old and the dream was fading in his life. The promise that God had given to him. You know, you can go so long and you can say, well, I'm not so sure. That's why it, it, the, the most, we talk about flying, the two most dangerous times in flying is when you're taking off and when you're landing. The two most dangerous times in serving God is when you start out and when you finish up. Be careful that you don't finish up weak. Be careful that you don't give up at the end of your life. Be careful that you don't lose the dream, the vision, the power, the potential, the anointing, the Holy Spirit that's giving you direction and guidance. All these many years you were strong. You were steadfast. You were vigilant all throughout the years and suddenly 
uh, you look around and things seem uh, shaky and things seem uncertain and things seem unstable. Uh, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the same uh, yesterday and today and forever. He does not change. And our dreams, our dreams. You know, I've often thought of that verse of scripture in the book of Romans uh, the ninth chapter in the 13th verse where the apostle Paul said, as it is written, Esau, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And I, I, I've often uh, pondered that and I wondered about that and thought, and thought much about that and, and just really been concerned in my own mind, not really ever voicing it to anyone. And I would often go back to that passion, passage of scripture and I would look at, at it and I would read over it and then I would go to the book of Genesis and I would look at it and read over it. And, and I'll be honest with you, I thought, God, he's not really that bad of a person. He's not that evil. He's not that wicked. I could see other people in the scripture that are more so if you want to talk about evil or wicked or who have done things that would be so detestable that we wouldn't even want to discuss it. I don't think Esau is that evil or wicked. The Bible says there came a day when Jacob was going to bless Isaac, rather was going to bless his children. And he said to his two sons, I'm getting old now. My eyes are dim. My body is weak. I'm really not able to hear much. And I know my days are going to be few on this earth. And he said, I want you to come and bring an offering to me. Esau, I know you're a great hunter. You find some meat for me, a venison, and prepare it like I like. And I'm going to prepare a blessing. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to anoint me to give you a blessing. And Jacob overhears what Isaac has told his brother. And he starts this conniving in his heart. He thought, well, I, I, you know, I, there was one day that I was cooking pottage. It was just a bean lentil soup. It wasn't anything special. My brother came from the field and, and he said, I'm so hungry, hungry, I'm famished. I'm like to die. And he smelt the pottage and he went up to Jacob and he said, Jacob, I'm so hungry. Will you share some of that with me? And Jacob, being a negotiator that he was, he said, what, what do you have to give me for what of my pottage here that I've spent so many hours cooking and preparing and he said what about your birthright I've been thinking about that I, I, there's something about it that I would like it and Esau said well you can have that thing he said it really doesn't mean much to me it's not, it's not that that important it's not that valuable I, what is it how valuable is it going to be to me when I die if I die right here he said you can have it and he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup he sold out for what he could get his eye could see his ear could understand his senses but I'm here to tell you there's something in the spirit God has given you power he has anointed you not just for this time but for days to come you can influence the worlds to come the Lord told Abraham he said I'm naming you Abraham not Abram anymore because you're going to be a father of many nations I'm sure he could laugh within his heart saying I'm going to be a father of many nations I don't even have one son how am I going to be a father of many nations <clears throat> Excuse me, but the Lord said you're going to be a father of nations. I'm going to bless you. You can't see it right now. You can't understand it right now. You can't visualize it right now. You can't receive the anointing right now. Your power right now it seems so limited and seems so fluid. And, and you, you can't get the circumstances around you. Yes, I know you have a 12-year-old son. and But he is not from Sarah. It's going to be a son that comes from you and Sarah. I want you to know when God gives you a promise. You need to hang on to that promise. God gave you a promise when he filled you with the Holy Ghost. God gave you a promise that he's going to catch you out of here. He's going to take you out of this place. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. He gave you a promise when you were baptized in Jesus' name. He gave you a promise when he healed your body. When he delivered you he's given you a promise and earnest of your inheritance. He said I'm coming back for a people that have made themselves ready hallelujah I'm ready to see the Lord Jesus come hallelujah
the dream, that dream, that dream. I don't find in the scripture where Esau ever dreamed. (laughs) But I find where Jacob had some dreams. Hallelujah. That's the difference right there. If you're just going through the motions, if you're just doing the daily thing as it is a daily thing, if it's just something that you do because you're here and this is what you do, and you've lost the dream, you've let the dream die, you've let the dream fade away, we've got it pretty good. Our life is good. Our lives are real good. Our lives are amazingly good. We are amazingly blessed. Everybody should say every day when you wake up in the morning, I am amazingly blessed. Not that I have lack, not that I have need, but I am amazingly blessed. Hallelujah. Every one of us had something to eat this morning. Every one of us drove here in a modern automobile. Everyone in here lives in a house that has heat and running water. Everyone in here has a sound mind. You can hear what's going on and you can understand and perceive the word of God. We are abundantly blessed. You see, but this is not all that God wants us to do right here. You know, I've thought many times uh, the law that God gave to Israel, He gave that to Israel not so they would be a set-apart people, not so they could puff their chest out and say, look what God gave to us uh, through the auspices of angels. Uh, But God gave them the law so that they could be the greatest evangelists uh, in the world, so they could take this truth uh, of here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, uh, so that they could take this truth uh, of what God could do, how He could change you, uh, how He could demonstrate his power in their lives. He performed miracles for them. He parted the Red Sea. He gave them manna every day for 40 years. He blessed them. He gave them a power and an anointing. There was a cloud that followed them by day that protected them from this desert sun. There was a pillar of fire every night. I want you to know that God blessed the nation of Israel. He was being a demonstration to them. A demonstration of his power. Of his miracle power. They never did grasp it. They never could conceive what God wanted to do in their lives. He wanted to do so many mighty things. They got confused. They got so confocused on the letter of the law that they forgot about the spirit of the law. We can become so focused on who we are and our identity that we can forget what God is doing in our lives. The dream. I remember, and my mother may not remember this, but I remember when the Lord called me to preach, when the Lord called me to minister. I was about the age of 12 years old, and we had my brother and I, we we stayed in the same room. We had bunk beds, and I was on the top, and he was on the bottom, and and I don't know, this particular night, you know how summertime is, it's still light out, but, uh, you know, it's time to go to bed. And uh, we had school the next morning, and, and I remember many a day and many an evening saying, I don't know why I have to go to bed. It's still, the sun is still out. There's still a lot of light. And actually, I can even hear kids out there running up and down the street uh, playing and hollering and shouting. And I understand it now. My mother was probably tired of my brother and I and said, it's time for you to go to bed. I've had you all day. <laughs> And I'm ready for you to go to bed so I can have some time by myself. I, I get it completely and totally now. Then I didn't, it was hard for my mind to conceive and perceive what was going on. I thought she was so mean to send me to bed at uh, dusk. When I knew for a fact that I had seen it wouldn't get dark, completely dark until almost 10 o'clock in the middle of summer. And here I was, I was not tired, I was not sleepy, I had my pajamas on, and uh, I was told to go to bed, and I've already had a drink of water, I've already gone to the bathroom twice, and uh, I said I was hungry, and they said, you should have eaten at dinner, and uh, I said, okay, I guess all those things are not going to work for me. 
So um, I lay there in bed and, and thought things and thought thoughts. And, and, uh, and I don't know, I, may, may, I can't remember what I was thinking exactly. But I got to thinking about the Lord and maybe some questions in my mind from a Bible study from Sunday school. I don't know, but I got to thinking about that. And, and then uh, I, I got to praying just a little bit. I, I wouldn't, I'm not telling you I was super spiritual because I wasn't right then. And I was just talking to the Lord and, and uh, maybe I was saying, Lord, <laughs> this is probably my prayer, to be honest. Lord, I don't know why mom has made me come to bed so early, <laughs> but Lord, I need you to deliver me now. You see, you, we pray prayers that, and the Lord answers our prayers and we don't even see the answer that he sends to us. And the Lord sent an answer to me, not because I was so spiritual, not because I was praying for a move of God, not because I was asking God to do anything supernatural in my life. The only supernatural thing I was thinking about was maybe uh, there, the, the school would burn down and they would call the house and say, there's no school tomorrow, there won't be any school for the next three months, uh, uh, and, and uh, that would be wonderful. My mom is grabbing her, my mother's grabbing her head right now. And maybe that's the type of prayer. You know, sometimes we pray prayers that are so selfish and we don't even expect an answer. I wasn't expecting God to give an answer to those prayers. It was more of a, that imprecatory prayer uh, like you find in the book of Psalms. I, 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 God, I'm so angry. I'm so upset. I'm so disturbed. I'm so undone with all the circumstances. And, and that's probably what, it, what I was doing. I, here I am. I lay in this bed. And I know if I get out, I've been threatened with the whipping and so uh, I, I know that will be forthcoming and so I'm not going to get out I'm just going to lay in here and complain and if you've never done that well I'm not sure that you're alive <laughs> and as I prayed the Holy Spirit came on me and uh, I had prayed before actually I had received the Holy Ghost and I've been baptized in Jesus name but really never thought a lot about it. I just went to church, you know. This is something that I do daily, weekly. But as I prayed, in this complaining, agitated prayer, God seemed to sweep in. You see, the same type of prayer that Abraham prayed here. God, I, 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 you told me, God, I was going to have a son. You told me, God. You see, let's read between the lines of this 17th chapter of the book of Genesis. You told me, God. You told me, God. You, you, you said that there was going to be a son, uh, that I was going to have a son. And here I am 100 years old, and my wife is 10 years younger than me, but she's not by much. She's 90, and how is this going to happen? And God speaks through. He cuts through all the unbelief. He cuts through uh, the doubt, the fear, the, and the uncertainty of the circumstances. Uh, and he says to Abraham, and your name is Abram, but it's not going to be Abram anymore. I'm giving you a new name. The name that I'm going to call you is Abraham. It's no longer High Father. It's Father of many nations. I'm going to reaffirm the promise. I'm going to tell you again what I'm going to do for you. And as I lay there in my unbelief, doubt, and perhaps insincerity as I was talking to the Lord, the Lord didn't cause the school to burn down. Or my teachers, all my teachers to get sick. <laughs> uh, they'd have found replacements anyhow. But he spoke to me. And he said, I want you to preach my gospel. Now, I didn't really understand what that meant. Oh, I, yeah, I could tell you, yeah, that's when I, but really I didn't know doing I didn't know what he was saying I I, I didn't know I, I I was ignorant I I and I don't even know if I received it at that time all I could think of, of was of my conditions and what I was going through and what I was having to endure you see when God calls you when God speaks to you when God ministers to you when God reaches down to where you are you might not even be praying about the right thing you might be praying 
that. You might be an unbeliever. I'm not sure how your mental state and condition will be and how your spiritual condition will be, but you might not be believing. Let me say it like that. And God cuts through all the chaff, so to speak, and speaks to your heart. Now, we read that book of Matthew, the first chapter in the 18th through the 21st verse. The Bible says that Joseph was a good man. He was a just man. He wanted to do the right thing. He did the right thing all the time. He was that type of individual as when Jesus saw Nathanael sitting under the tree. He said, an Israelite in whom is no guile. And here is Joseph, this man. An Israelite in whom is no guile. He's not deceptive. He's upright. He's just. He's kept his life clean as far as everyone can see. And he understands. And he makes a choice. He chooses. He makes an agreement with her family and, and him, himself. And, and there comes a day and all of a sudden there is a revelation that is given to him by her. What? Oh, you're not telling me this. You're, you're not standing right there and telling me this. Yeah, I'm with child. Oh, I can't believe this. I can't. I cannot believe this. What did I do to deserve this? You have to understand all the thoughts that go through an individual's mind, especially someone who is righteous and as godly as Joseph is. What have I done? And so he goes home. He, 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 he holds back. He wants to say some words to her, but he holds back. And he goes back to the house. He is fuming and he's upset. He's grabbing his head. He's thinking, oh, nah, oh no, this is a disaster. This is such a shame. This is such an embarrassment. And not only for me, but for her. Tongues are going to wag. People are going to say things. And it's just, this is terrible. This is horrible. Oh, oh, what do I do? 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 Oh, God, what do I do? And maybe he cried some and maybe he pounded on the, the table and maybe he threw some things around and, and maybe he got angry. Maybe he became in a rage for a second. It was just him and the Lord and him and his own house and he's in a rage and he's pounding and kicking and throwing a thing. How did this happen to me? This day has been the worst day of my life. And he goes and lays down, thinking maybe an answer will come to me. An answer has got to come. He lays down. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord speaks to him in a dream. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> it wasn't what he was thinking. It wasn't what he had prayed. I'm sure he got, went home and he had an old-fashioned crying, snotting prayer meeting. Have you ever had an old-fashioned snotting, crying prayer meeting? Things have just gone to pot. <laughs> and you got bills due and you ain't got the money for it and, and so and so's done this and this has happened and you walked outside and there was a flat tire and, and, uh, and someone said they called up and said we're not friends anymore because I heard you said this and, and you're, hey, hey, everything is against me and so you get down and you're praying and I'm not so sure, certain you're praying but you're yelling at God anyhow And that's what was happening in Joseph's life. And he exhausted himself. I'm talking to you about a dream this morning. I'm talking to you about a dream. The scripture says that the angel of the Lord said, I want you to just to know, Joseph, that you are to take Mary to be your wife. That the child in her that is conceived in her is of the Lord. And you shall call his name Jesus. He shall be Emmanuel, meaning God with us. 
Now, I, I don't, the scripture doesn't elaborate, it doesn't delve in and the kind of prayer or the life, it just very succinctly, very simply says he was, just, he was a just man. But if he is a just man, you can liken him to Job. You can liken him to several of the Old Testament patriarchs. Here's a man who has been faithful, who has prayed, who has sought God, who reads the word, who attends synagogue, and he is, he is faithful. He, he has had the Spirit of God move and minister to his heart many times. But this is a revelation to him. This suddenly, uh, that, that it blows his mind, so to speak. Uh, he doesn't comprehend at first. Uh, he's thinking to himself uh, as he's looking at the angel in his dream. What? What? You don't know. You don't realize. You don't see. You see, it's so easy to become... Uh, lose sight of your dream and become focused on the elements and the situations of this world. Paul said it like this. He said, uh, don't let the things of this world shape you. Don't let your mind be conformed to this world, but be you transformed. That word transformation is the same Greek word that is used in the book of Matthew when Jesus is on the mount and his face is transfigured and he's completely white and Peter, James and John are there. It's the same exact word. Peter, James and John are there and Peter, they fall on the face and when it's all over after Jesus has conversed with uh, uh, Moses and Elijah talking about the one who wrote the the uh, the, the Pentateuch and, and Elijah who is the one of, we consider one of the greatest of the prophets uh, uh, of the Old Testament uh, and Peter he he says Lord this is wonderful let's we'll construct three tabernacles one for you and one in memory of Moses and one in memory of Elijah but that's not really what the Lord was intending you see there's coming a day when the spirit and the power of God when the Holy Ghost really gets on the inside of you you're not going to be conformed to this world I know we've been disappointed have you been disappointed I've been very disappointed but this world is not my home I'm just passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue you see because God's power and God's anointing and God's glory is inside of us transforming our minds making us something that we could not make ourselves somebody shout hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so oh, oh, I, I couldn't see it. Joseph couldn't see it. Abraham couldn't see it. When God called me at 12, I couldn't see it. I, I didn't really understand. I, I didn't know. Amen. Abraham really... A father of many nations? Many nations? Oh, wow, Lord. Joseph? Oh, I, I was just wanting to marry a nice, sweet little girl. And we're going to have a family and build a home. And, and that's what I was thinking about. But God said, I got more for you. <laughs> I got more for you. I got something that your mind cannot even comprehend or understand perceive yet. I want you to know if you haven't let your dream die, if you haven't just uh, you can see people that have let it die they're just going through the motions uh, they never reach out for God uh, they're never hungry for God uh, they're never hungry for more of the spirit uh, they're just uh, just marking time uh, they just go to church and I'm glad you go to church uh, but it's more than that uh, it's more than just reading the word uh, it's more than just praying for 30 days uh, it's more than just church attendance uh, there has to be a dream there has to be a hunger there has to be a desire there has to be a longing uh, that my life here has some importance to it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just live life and mark time. You know why they built the pyramids? It's because they, they, those individuals, those rulers didn't want people to forget about them. Well, we have the pyramids, but I'm not sure that I can tell you who they are associated with. But there's something that's forever and ever and ever. When I say this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. 
You see, we came this morning, uh, whether you thought about it or not, uh, there is a realization, uh, and I'm going to reveal it to you, uh, that Jesus is going to catch us away. Uh, hallelujah. I'm glad for the power of God. Uh, I'm glad that He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a sanctifier. Uh, I'm glad He's still filling people with the Holy Ghost. Uh, people are still having their sins remitted by the name of Jesus in baptism. Uh, all those wonderful, powerful things. Uh, but I'm looking to get out of here. Uh, I'm looking for a, a city who builder and maker is God I'm looking for something that is not of this world but in the meantime God has said I'm calling you I'm calling you to do great things Sister Macy's getting ready to go to Brazil and she's going on a youth trip amen give her a hand clap hallelujah As far as I know, and I, I stand to be corrected so, because I don't know the whole history, I think that Sister Macy is the first one, the very first one from this church to go on a missions trip just like this. This is awesome. Amen. But she's not the last one to go. Amen. She's the first, but she's not the last. Amen. And I pray that there are many more that catch the vision of what God wants them to do. Of what God wants you to be. Of who you are right now. You can't see it. You can't understand it. You can't realize it. You don't know the hunger of God to minister of your hearts. There's a hunger for God to minister in your hearts. If you will let Him. Hallelujah. If you will let Him. This man, Joseph, he went as the angel said. And it couldn't be hidden. She was expecting. That's not something that you can hide. Right? I mean, that's just a fact of life. But he took her as his wife. The scripture says he didn't know her until the child was born. He couldn't necessarily control the attitude of the people in that village. It is, it is conjectured. Uh, uh, this is supposition right now. But it is conjectured that the reason um, it was so important for Joseph to take Mary to Bethlehem in his own mind was because he was afraid for her life to stay in Nazareth. Now, he didn't, maybe he didn't realize the prophetic utterance of the prophet so many days and years before that out of Bethlehem, Judea, there would come a star. And so he was thinking to himself, I'm gonna, I have to protect my wife. You see, the villagers were pretty vehement that she had to go. She did wrong. And uh, we understand that Joseph, he's doing the right thing and maybe not. Maybe some people didn't believe that. But uh, Joseph still was a man who, of some influence uh, and so he says, I'm concerned for her life. I'm going to take her down to Bethlehem, not knowing that God's will and God's power was being demonstrated even in that simple act of him taking her, though she was expecting in just a few days. The journey must have been unbearable. I'm sure it was unbearable for you ladies to get in a car and drive any distance. Have you ever thought about getting on the back of a donkey and driving or riding from all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Bethlehem? I can't imagine it. It must have been excruciating. It must have been painful. It must have been extremely uncomfortable and, and couldn't find the right position. And, you know, a donkey has so many, uh, doesn't have very, very, very many comfortable spots. It's not like you could put a recliner on the top of the donkey and say, okay, husband, I'm ready to go. <laughs> right? But he took her down there. Amen. God has a dream for your life. He's working it. And if you will follow God's power, if you will follow His anointing, if you will follow the dream that God originally gave to you, I'm preaching to somebody here today. Some of you might be casting this over your shoulder, saying that's for somebody behind me, or, or that's not really applicable to my life. I want you to know it's not over till you're over, till it's over, till you're six feet under. You should have a dream always, and you should be going forward. 
I have a lot of dreams and a lot of goals that I still yet haven't accomplished in my life. Uh, and I'm not sure that I will get them all accomplished. Uh, I might be at the end of the, my, my life should the Lord tarry. Uh, and I say, I, I've still got one more thing I want to do. Still got one more thing I want to see uh, and, uh, and take part and take place in. Uh, but maybe my body won't cooperate. I don't know. Uh, but that's not the real important thing. Uh, I do have dreams. Uh, but my most important dream uh, is doing something for God. Uh, is being what He wants me to be. Uh, is preaching the gospel uh, seeing the world change through the name of Jesus Christ. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's the great, greatest revelation in the world. That is the greatest revelation. There is no other revelation greater. It's one God. Hallelujah. There was a man who said, whose name was Thomas. He said, Lord, you've been talking about the Father so much. I'm just a little concerned. I don't see the Father. Where is he? I'd like for you to show us the Father. And Jesus said, Thomas, have I been so long time with you? I've been here. I've been ministering. I've been preaching. I've been teaching. I've been living among you. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I want you to know when you see Jesus Christ, you've seen it all. When you get a revelation and a vision of Jesus Christ in your life, He will change you. It's not just a church culture. I want to preach to you this morning. Some of us have got a church culture and we hang around church. We don't readily let God change us. We're a part of the church culture. We speak the church language. We're here because we have relatives that used to be here or are still here. But I want you to know it's not a church culture that's going to save you. That's going to transform you. That's going to change you. It's the power of God's Spirit that's going to do that. I know about church culture. I do. But it's not that. You can't rest on my laurels and say, well, Grandma and Dad Mom. Followers, and here I am. Be, be careful. You got to reach out. Got to be hungry. Got to follow the dream. God will, he'll jog your mind. He'll, he'll, he'll cause something to happen so you don't lose sight and focus of the dream that he has given to you. So many times I look at people as I'm pastoring it, and they're serving the Lord and, and they're on fire. But as time goes on, the fire seems to grow dim and it's more, it's more diminished. It's not so fervent. They're not so excited about what Jesus has done. And I look and, and soon the dream goes out and, and they are a shell of their former self. They're just going through the motions. They speak the right words. They do the right things, but the Spirit of God is not there. Oh, hallelujah. I'm talking to someone today. Would you reach out to God? Would you revive the dream? Would you cause the Spirit of God in your life? But at your request, say, God, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. As you read the Word of God through this year, allow it to speak to your hearts and I, I used to say you should pray an hour every day. I, I don't say that anymore because some people get to thinking religiously that that's. And so they start at whatever time and they, they make sure that they go 15, 30, 45 minutes, an hour. Whew, made it. Another day. That's not what I want. That's not what I'm implying. And so I, I'd say... Uh, I'm not telling you how long to pray. I'm not telling you when to start praying. I have recommendations, but I'm not telling you what, because I want you to grow so hungry that it's not the pastor making me do it. This is not, so I had somebody say to me, well, that's my church and that's what my pastor teaches and so that's what I'm going to, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what the word of God teaches. We have a spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. When, if you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that leads you and guides you into all truth. You have a pastor who causes the ministry to function so work and he teaches you but it's the spirit of God truly that leads you someone said well I'm doing this because my pastor wants me to well I'm glad for your respect but that's not going to that's not going to help you get to heaven amen we're not teaching you to be disrespectful we're just saying you have to get God's spirit to lead you and guide you and direct you amen, amen. so the Bible says that 
Rachel said to brother um, Isaac, Rebecca, Rebecca said to Isaac, said, oh, Esau has married one of the daughters of Heth of the Canaanites. What's my life worth to me if my son Jacob should marry someone of the daughters of Heth? You see, it's very important who you marry, whether they're going to lead you to God or away from God, whether they're going to allow God's spirit to lead you or, or take you away. And um, Rebecca knew that her son Esau was going to be led away by these women who were Canaanites. She didn't have anything personally against them, but she knew what they believed. And she said to, to Isaac, she said, oh, my life is not going to be worth anything. If, you, if Jacob marries one of these women here in the area who do not believe in the one true living God. So Jacob, brother Isaac says to Jacob, I want you to go and get a wife who believes like we believe. Amen. Who's hungry? I, I thank God that God, I don't know that I had the intelligence to do this, but God gave me a, a good wife. Amen. She has been faithful to me. She has been faithful to the church. She's a good person. Uh, as just people go, as persons go, but she's godly. She's righteous. Uh, she's not trying to slip off and do things in the world. Amen. She's always been a faithful. She's a good pastor's wife, an excellent pastor's wife. Amen. I, I thank God for, for her. And God gave her to me. Amen. And the Bible says that Jacob went and found a wife of the, that community that believed in the one true living God. There was some, the scripture talks about there was some confusion in the family. There must have been some arguing going on. The scripture says that Esau left his father Isaac and aligned himself with Ishmael, his uncle. You should notice that. He leaves Isaac, the man who has dreams, the man who has a promise from God because the promise from God came to not only to Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, but came to Isaac, Jacob's father, that same man that received the dreams, I, Esau could never seem to get it in his head. There has to be a dream. All he could see was the here and now. And he leaves the man who has, has dreams and goes to a man who does not and aligns himself. And the scripture said in Romans chapter 9, verse 13, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. If you don't want me, I don't want you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the scripture says that as Jacob is on his way to find his wife, he's running from his brother. His brother has threatened him and said, when dad dies, I'm going to kill you deader than dead. That's pretty dead. He's on his way to Padanaram, the scripture says. And as he is, he stops at a place that we know now is Bethel. The word named Bethel means house of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stops at the house of God. There's really nothing there right now. It's just a place. He's tired. He's weary. He lays down and thinks, well, I don't really have a tent. I'm running from a life. All I have is my backpack on my back, and I don't have a lot of stuff. I'm going to rest here a while. And he falls asleep, and he has a dream. And the dream is angels ascending and descending on a ladder, a, a stairway from heaven to where Jacob is. And God gives him a promise. God promises him something. I never find 
an experience like this in Esau's life. I never find an experience when Esau left his father, the man who had dreams, God ceased to be an exposure to Esau. He ceased to reach out to him. He let him go, but he continued to work with Jacob. I want you to know as long as your dream is alive, as long as you're hungry for God, God will work with you. God will reach out to you. God will deal with you. God will minister to you. God's miracle working power, his anointing will be in your life. Don't ever leave the place of your dream. Don't ever leave the side of those who have dreams. Amen. I don't want to go to a dead, cold church where we have a formality. I don't, this is a godly church. This is a church that's spirit-filled. I, I don't want to go to a place where we're just perfunctory and going through the motions. and We're just... Uh, you know, this is what the schedule says we do. We sing a, a couple of songs and we dismiss and we go home, have lunch and we pat ourselves on the back and say we have church. That's not really, to me, I, it, it's not going to so much of a place of entertainment. I don't want to go to an entertainment. I, I want to worship God. I want God's spirit to speak to my heart. I want him to give refreshment to my mind. I want my mind to be renewed. I want the spirit of God to, to energize me. And, and as I reach out to him, the scripture says he's reaching out to me. James described, he said, if you reach out to me, I'll reach out to you. And every time you raise your hands to the Lord, Every time you lift those hands up, uh, someone said they're surrender. I'll agree with that. But more, they're reaching. I'm reaching. Oh, God. I, I very rarely, I might put my arms down like this sometimes. But normally it's, I got my hands way up. Why? Because I'm reaching. I want, uh, 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 Paul said it like this in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts. He said, uh, uh, if you feel after God, he's not far from any one of you. If you feel after him, he's there. If you reach out to him, he said, my dream has died. Things have happened. I've been disappointed. Uh, uh, situations have occurred. I want you to know you can revive the dream. You can restart it. You can resurrect it. You can cause it to come alive. We serve a God who's quick and alive. The word of God. God will get down in your heart and change you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you raise your hands right now today? Oh God, I pray. I pray especially for those whose dreams have died, Lord. I pray especially for those who've got, become discouraged. Uh, we heard Brother Winston talking about discouragement this morning. Uh, we have to shake ourselves out of our spiritual lethargy. We have to uh, uh, drive that discouragement out. And how? Uh, by encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Uh, by reviving the dream. Uh, by speaking to the dream that God has given to us. Uh, don't let it die. Uh, revive it. Uh, and this month is uh, Black History Month. Uh, I think of a man uh, who made, whose name is Martin Luther King. Uh, he said, I have a dream. I have a dream. I I want you to know I have a dream that God's people and his anointing would be in our life. That people would be filled with the Holy Ghost while they're sitting in their pews. People would be healed and delivered and set free. There would be baptisms. The anointing of God up and down the road. This Chester Boulevard. God's spirit filling our community. Why? Because of a dream that we have. Hallelujah. Raise your hands to the Lord. Would you reach after him right now? Oh, Jesus, I reach out after you right now. Hallelujah. Hunger in our hearts, a hunger in our lives, a hunger in our lives to seek after you, to revive that dream, Lord. I pray for those who said, I'm too old. The dream can't take place in my life now. I pray that, God, you would transform them. Let them see how the dream would work in their life right now. Maybe there are those that say, I'm too young. I have dreams, but I'm just too young. I can't see it accomplished. God, give them confidence. Oh, Lord, be with them. Allow the word of God uh, to strengthen them. Uh, allow the preaching, uh, this encouragement this morning uh, to take hold and take place in their life. Uh, with your anointing and your power and your grace, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I believe that God wants to use young people and individuals in this place uh, to preach the gospel. Not just to one person, not just to two people, uh, not just, uh, just a handful. He wants you to preach to thousands. Uh, God has a dream for you. Uh, God has a vision for you. Uh, God has a calling for you. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you'd like to come to this altar and pray, or you can pray in your seat, whatever you're comfortable with. But we believe that the Spirit of God is moving in this place. Would you humble yourself? Would you cry out right now? Would you allow the Spirit of God to get a hold of you? Oh, would you allow the Spirit of God to transform you and anoint you today? Hallelujah. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The Almighty God, I am the one for whom nothing is too hard. I am the shepherd and I am the door. I am the good news to the bound and the poor. I am. I am. The beginning and the end I Hi. 